Hey, welcome to Rebel Business. This is episode five. I am Mayhul Patel. I am in rainy New York. I got my co-host, Paul Samuel, out in LA. How's everybody doing? I'm doing well. Um, This uh, weather kind of sucks, but uh, that's spring in the Northeast. It's the most bipolar season out there. And uh, I got to say, you know, I mean, everybody talks about misinformation out there, right? That's a big topic. There is no more misinformation than the weather app on my phone in the spring in New York. They should do a congressional committee on that because that thing lies to you hourly, hourly. It was supposed to, it it said today it wasn't going to rain. Look at this. Look at this. Total misinformation. Rainy, windy. Oh, it's Overcast, it's nasty yeah. outside. It's, I'm not going out there today, but um, we got an interesting episode today. Uh, I have a, a friend who's a, a writer, actor, film director, TV director um, out of Canada, Simon Fecto. I'll have him on in a little bit. Um, but uh, what we decided to uh, talk about today is just uh, basically when a plan goes wrong and you have to pivot, uh, which... Um, I think we've all experienced, right? Uh, whether it's in um, business, life, in the middle of a job interview, middle of a career, it happens a lot. And um, it also happens when you're trying to create a new product, right? Um, and we uh, talked to our co-producer uh, to see if we could get a few ideas um, in the business world where that's actually happened and the pivot turned into a success um, greater than what they even thought was going to be originally the plan. And uh, I, I didn't know any of these, Paul. I, I didn't know if you knew about these three, but um, the first one was PayPal. I guess uh, that was um, the original idea. There was um, beaming money from Palm Pilot to Palm Pilot. Uh, obviously, that's not what happened there since nobody has a bomb pilot anymore. And they decided to shift to um, online payments. Uh, that one I thought was pretty interesting. Slack, which is a more recent yep. one that was supposed to be what gaming or something. Yeah. Gaming messaging, in-game messaging. Uh, yeah. And, and so that yeah, obviously now. turned into more of a messaging platform that salesforce.com bought, I'm sure for a giant number. And uh, lastly, the one that all of us are familiar with is Instagram. Um, I had no idea that this was really uh, like a location-based app to kind of tell people where you were. And apparently everybody was just using it for the pictures, posting where they were, and they they reworked it and it turned into what we have now, um, which I don't know, maybe that's that, that was... Uh, for better or worse, it's what we have now with Instagram. But um, nonetheless, you know, economically speaking, that was a huge success. Um, I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know about any of those three, the original concepts. I did, did you have any color on that? Yeah, PayPal uh, had gone through a couple of different iterations. It went, you know, the Palm Pilot peer-to-peer to uh, sending money via email Right to what it is today, right? And there and there's some interim steps there that were acquired by eBay. They IPO'd, were acquired by eBay in the process, and so it's obviously evolved over the last twenty plus yeah. years. But it's I I would say it's a fairly common story for most successful tech companies. You okay. look at yeah, like a Google. They've stayed very firmly entrenched in search. They've built other products, but most of it is really ultimately built around driving better search results, more personalization. And so, uh, and so, so you yeah. So, yeah. So in this tech space, it like these different iterations, it is common. Yeah, and and frankly, there's a lot. I would say there's a lot of failures along the way. Uh, company failures and idea failures, but mm-hmm. uh, the mantra has been, you know, this is all um, kind of built around lean development, uh, build quickly, fail fast, pivot, right? Iterate and, and, and I figure think that's, out. Yeah. And I think that's actually, you know, something that you don't hear a lot about, right? Yeah. At least I don't. I, Cause all of this was 
uh, I was a little bit surprised by all of it. I hadn't, I didn't know these backstories of these three companies that we all know, particularly PayPal and Instagram for me. I mean, those are things that I know pretty well. Um, I didn't, I didn't know that it was that different iterations, but I've, I've definitely experienced that where, you know, you do have to pivot in the middle of something and, you know, I, I think that's actually a skill that if you're going to go off on your own or regardless, I think if you're going to just keep moving your career along, I think you need to be able to do that. And I, I do think it's it can be hard because it's, it can be deflating, right? You put in all of this time and effort, whether it's a concept or idea that you have, and now you have to rework it and all that time you put in. It, it can be genuinely deflating. Um, and I think you do need to be able to push through that um, primarily because nobody really cares. Like no, nobody cares that, you know, your, your disappointment um, that your idea is not quite taking off the way you thought. Right. I mean, even this podcast, you know, when we first started, we're only on episode five, but I mean, the amount of things that we've shifted and pivoted on, um, I mean, I feel like it's it's a lot different than what we thought it was going to be when we first started five weeks ago. Definitely. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think there's any question of that. And thankfully, we've got our co-producer, ChatGPT. Which has uh, helped. That's helped us along the way. Yeah. Well, boy. But- yeah. And I, and I think that's part of it, right? You know, when we were bouncing ideas around, I don't think the first thing we thought about is, hey, let's use a AI chat bot to help us. Um, you know, we, we weren't really going down that road. And now it's actually become kind of an important part of this. I think it's an interesting segment to share with people, but there's the practical side of it. It's a, it's a great utility for us, right? And that kind of came from you know, I was just talking through things, but also we had put some time in, you know, the amount of things that we were sending back and forth to each other, we scrapped 80% of it. And yeah, that sucks. And it blows when you do all this work and it just goes into the recycle bin folder. But uh, I think if you're not willing and open to do that, um, you don't get the best result. Uh, I don't. I think you have to be open to shifting your thinking on something and not being you, you can be stubborn on I got to get to the finish line. But how you get there, uh, I do think it's important to have some flexibility. Absolutely. Right. I mean, nobody's an instant overnight success. Most people don't get it right the first time. Uh, I watched a movie the other day, The Founder. Uh, Michael Keaton playing Ray Kroc. And, uh, you know, the backstory there is Ray Kroc had a litany of failures. He was just kind of known in many circles for being almost like a snake oil salesman. And he didn't exactly, you know, lose that reputation even after (laughs) his success with McDonald's. But what he did develop over time was an eye for a good idea concept. And when, when he met the McDonald's brothers, you know, something clicked in his head and he realized immediately how franchisable it was. And then obviously he got a, a lot more sophisticated with it. In, in no, terms of the real it, but I think that, but. that that's kind of like going back to the lab, right? You know, if you, if you constantly are failing at something, you are gaining a skill. Um, if nothing else, you're gaining the skill of having the endurance of starting over. And once you lose the fear of, I might have to start over, um, you're going to get that instinct that he clearly has. He now sees an opportunity so much quicker because he's gone through so many of them, right? It's, it's sort of like when you're um, particularly in like a large city, but even, I guess, even in the suburbs, you know, it's so hard to find a home to buy or to rent in New York. I mean, it's almost like having a job you know, trying to find an apartment, right? Whether you're trying to buy or rent, it's it's challenging. And when you're starting that process and you bump into somebody who's like been looking for two months, you realize, wow, they instinctively know. You 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 name a neighborhood, and I'm just like, hey, yeah, I'm I'm trying to move to uh, 
Upper West Side on 72nd Street, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, you don't want to go there. There's like the subway is under repair. Yeah, I, I saw that building and that's why it's cheap. And and that it hits you. Oh, wow. They've gone and seen 100 apartments. I've seen one. Am I making the right choice? And I think that happens in careers. I think it happens when you're trying to develop a product, all of that. But that constant going out there and doing it, it just, it does give you an instinct. And, uh, but I think more importantly, the endurance of and stamina to start over because that does take literal energy. It takes mental energy, physical energy, and you shouldn't underestimate that. But if you're constantly never doing that, um, I don't know. I think it can be scary. The longer that you just stay on a path because uh, it's convenient. Um, yeah. That's when you look up and you become, if it's career-wise, you 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 know this, we both worked in large companies. You become expendable pretty easy. Absolutely, yeah. You know? I, I think for me, uh, a, a seminal moment in my career on Wall Street was I read Who Moved My Cheese, uh, which is a, a book by uh, Spencer Johnson. And it was published... 1998, I think. Okay. Uh, so it was kind of new at the time, but uh, I don't know. Have you read the book? No, I, I'm learning no, about it as you speak. <laughs> okay. So, so the idea is like there are some mice in a labyrinth and over time they grow accustomed to where the cheese is. Okay. Uh, and then the experiment is they start to realize that the size of the cheese and the location of the cheese are starting to change. And so they adapt and they change uh, strategy and they find the cheese, but it's a smaller piece of cheese. And so they're learning along the way that, hey, this game is changing and I've I've got to adapt. And then all of a sudden there's no cheese, right? And mm -hmm. when you start to realize that in your own career, that the, yeah. the goal is constantly moving. And if you're not willing to adapt, if you're just going to stay on that straight and narrow path, you're going to miss a lot of opportunity. And frankly, you're probably going to plateau at some point or multiple times in your career because you haven't developed the skill set to adapt to the changing conditions, right? And, and so the tech world is on a different level in terms of sure. how it evolves and changes. And ChatGPT, we, we use the word dis disruptive uh, too frequently, but ChatGPT is one of those disruptive technologies that's going to change people's lives immediately, but even across other industries, you talk about healthcare, real estate, that that's an important Everything. conversation to have now. Yeah. Um, the, the world is constantly changing the game and the rules of engagement. And if you're not willing to, to play uh, with that, you know, within those changing parameters, it's going to be tough for you. to No, I, I, again, you just become, you know, you mean, look at, blockbuster video right i mean it, it, there's just countless examples like you you've got to adapt um and if you don't you become extinct i mean that i think that and i think that that has shortened in corporate america man like i think you have to do that more frequently this whole sort of notion i'm just going to do this one sort of professional lane and i'm going to do it for 30 40 years that i think is kind of over uh you really do have to be willing to adapt like for example i mean if you're a real estate developer who's been building office buildings for a long time like you are going to have to adapt the amount of office yeah. buildings that needs to be built right now is is going to change and you know i i had a situation where uh the plan that i had completely got turned upside down during covid you know we we bought a uh, empty outlet mall with the idea of building this really cool, creative office campus, right? Because it was one one story, and like a it WeWork sounded like a, what was thing? that or like WeWork type environment? Or it wouldn't have been a WeWork type. It would have okay. been just for uh, three or four companies, or you know, we would have chopped it up as two hundred fifty thousand square feet. But we just thought we had such a great canvas. Maybe a portion of it would have been co-share, but the vast majority of it would be for you know companies that wanted more of a college campus feel. Uh, and the design looked great, and then boom, COVID happened, and my idea was shit that was a terrible idea overnight 
Um, and you know, what was I left with? I could have sold for a loss, um, or you come up with a different concept. And that's what we did. We ended up turning it into a life science lab and it ended up being a really big success for all of our stakeholders that were involved. But I think I had the practice of so many failures prior to that in my life and my career, just, you know, constantly having to restart the clock that when that came, it was, yeah, I mean, it was a gut punch, but it wasn't as overwhelming as it could have been. And, you know, I, it was easier for me to communicate to my investors as well, who are my primary stakeholders in this, what we needed to do. And um, I think that's another part of this. When when things go bad, I think it's just so important to get the bad news out there. Uh, you know, yeah. I mean, you just you need to address it. Um, otherwise, it's it's simply going to get worse. Henry Kissinger actually has one of my favorite quotes where he says, you know, a problem avoided is a crisis invented. And and that's what happens. You invent this crisis. And um, had we just sort of avoided it and said, no, I'm going to just do the office. It's going to work. Um, I'm pretty certain that building would still be empty. Uh, and and we would be, you know, in a very tough position. We didn't do that and ended up being a record setting deal for for that um, city. And uh, it was a great success. But um, I think it going back to what we we're saying, it was just a lot of um, years of, you know, getting my you know ass kicked that helped, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. So. When I moved out of New York, I had a similar experience. And again, I'll, I'll uh, reference who moved my cheese. And one of the one of the points there was, you know, your mind will take you to a scarier place than reality, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're always more scared of what you think is going to happen than what naturally oh, does happen. Absolutely. Right? And so you, you, you usually you have this analysis paralysis because you've convinced yourself that things are going to be really, really bad. Um, but you bring up a good point, right? Like you, you pivot, you figure things out. If you've seen the bottom, if you've experienced what it's like to fail several times before that, you know, that you're probably, you're not screwed right? You have to figure something out. Yep. You have to change uh, how you do business. Um, but even if that doesn't work out, you know that there's probably another pivot that can be made, right? And and, and ultimately, right, it's just a series of decision points that you come upon. And the people that behave best in those situations are the ones that have had to make decisions, right? And if you've yeah. made it through life by just staying in the same job for the entire entirety of your career, you really haven't had to make any of those decisions. Oh, but you're, right? They've been made for you. You're crippling yourself, uh, I think. I think you're asking for trouble um, if you do that. And, you know, I mean, the thing is, when things get turned upside down, the best way I can describe it or best advice I can give anybody is take it as an opportunity where, Th that experience now is going to make you that much better when it inevitably happens again, uh, because it just does. It just, it, it, there's no, there's, if you want to move forward, you will always run into an instance where you get shoved back. Uh, it, there's no getting around that. And you see it in a ton of industries. I mean, just even doing stand up comedy, every time you go up there, you're not going to kill. You, you're just not. And and right. when you're up there and you hear freaking crickets, it sucks and you want to just, you know, get off the stage as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. But it's also a teaching moment where it's like, okay, I kind of absorbed this. And when it inevitably happens again, I will be able to pivot up here. So, you know, I, I think that's um, something we're going to see a lot. Uh, in in the world right now because of where the economy is going. I think a lot of companies, people in their careers, the pivoting is going to 
um, happen a lot. We have uh, a guest I mentioned, uh, Simon Facto, who's been in the entertainment industry. He's a you know actor, writer, film producer. Uh, he's um, he's kind of done everything in that space. Uh, and we're going to talk to him a lot about sort of those ups and downs in an industry that on the outside looks so glamorous, right, and perfect and scripted. But um, it'll be curious to hear what he's got to say about that and how he's pivoted in his own career. So uh, we're going to bring him on and uh, we will talk to him about that. Hey, so I got my friend here, Simon. Uh, as I mentioned, he's kind of touched a lot of different things in the entertainment space. And for guys like me and Paul, the entertainment space is a mystery. We just think it's this very sexy industry where everything goes uh, perfectly well and it's scripted and it's it's great. Um, you know, so like one question I, I have for you, Simon, yeah. and given that you know your background, you've done so many different things, sketch comedy, you've done big productions, kind of done all you know, TV shows, all of that. You know, what's kind of the the biggest myth about the entertainment industry as, as far as sort of that that sexiness side? Okay. Okay. I let let me compare the entertainment entertainment industry to making a pie okay you know when you buy a pie at the store very very nice this seems it smells good everything's nice about it if you film the actual kitchen it's a, especially if i'm doing the pie it's gonna be a shit story <laughs> 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 this is gonna be stuff everywhere it's gonna be dirty it's going to do i'm going to drop stuff on the floor i there's gonna be excess stuff to just throw away there's going to be a whole process that takes majority of the time of the actual pie. So that's basically, I mean, it's maybe it's maybe it's many industries, but the entertainment industry particularly, you only film, you only see what works. That's it. Okay. If you, if you pan left an inch, you might yeah. see a trash bag. You might see, you know, the, the end of, <laughs> end of the the decal the, the 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 backdrop you know so it's like it's all an illusion the only thing that counts it's what's in that little frame and yeah outside of it is sh not shit because people work very hard but you know messy it's, it's messy it's, it's a way 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 messy yeah on every level, on every level. Well, I mean, you you just touched on it, you know, other industries. I can tell you building a building is is not, I mean, not that the building itself is a mess. You should not feel yeah. scared going into an elevator in a newly built building. But to get to that point, it's always just, it's, it's a heavyweight fight, man. Everything goes wrong. I remember the first, I, I switched out of finance into real estate my first week at a real estate developer in New York. Um, I remember the guy across from me, who I still know, good friends with, uh, his project just started and they had tested the soil. It was like this corner, great corner in, in Manhattan. First, you know, first dig into the ground, they hit a, they hit a buried tank, gas tank, because uh, it was an old gas station, right? That was the first day. And I remember the guy who was the general contractor, he's like, didn't phase him because he's like, oh yeah, that, you know, that happens. And I'm I'm sitting there thinking, what is it? Is it over? Like, is the project uh, a bust because of that? And it's very similar. It's just something always goes wrong. Um, and and do you see that sort of that mess? Is it is it from the beginning all the way to the end of a, a production? Oh, totally. I mean, I mean, anything can happen. And I've done you know, you know, my my you know. 20 years, something years working in this industry, I've, I've dealt with all sorts of obstacles. And, and sometimes the obstacles don't come. It, it, you know what? Those are actually obstacles when it's, you don't know where to come from. But there's a big human you know, compartment in entertainment industry, industry, and there's a big ego thing going on. And you have to deal with people yeah. who are very nice, but also very complicated. And you have to deal with hierarchy, but it's a very subtle one, but also very 
present you have to deal with i mean these are have been the, my path like my latest obstacles before that you could just be shooting a scene and the camera breaks down and you have like 50 extras waiting and it's like okay what do we do now we don't have this scene how do we go forward you can also have of course budget cuts all the time you just go over budget you can't shoot this you can't do that or you have a nice wedding scene that you need to to shoot this one thing and it's raining it's like okay what do we it's our only day outside how do we manage all these things that happen all the time and eventually you develop this sense that i bit i think it's a bit like your first day on you know on your job that you had the gas leak it we we uh, or the gas tank or the yeah there's a gas tank yep. yeah yeah it's horrible but eventually you become used to having problems and it's just yeah what problems do we have today and you don't you're eating your sandwich and you hear that oh yeah the main character can't make it and you continue eating your sandwich <laughs> because you're just used to it. it's like okay now this is the problem that- that's when you that's when you know you have experience when uh, a shit storm comes and you can still finish lunch. Yeah, exactly. Does it it doesn't ruin your appetite? No, not anymore. Not anymore. Can you share a story with us, Simon? I'm I'm curious because we the ones that we've heard recently are, you know, like Alec Baldwin shooting somebody, Jamie Foxx, impossible to work with, a, a whole host of male actors who are like yeah. uh you know, chauvinists, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. uh Oh, uh, so oh, you mean about egos? Uh, ego or like something that happened that okay. you know just okay. would shock the okay. the rest of us. Okay, I we I uh, many years ago I had this sketch comedy show. Okay, you know, so we did little sketches, and there was this sketch that we wrote that revolved around was like a professional parent. Okay, you hire this guy when you go to work. It's this professional parent that comes in and takes your place, and basically it's a dad, whatever. But to, to shoot this sketch, we need a daughter about, you know, so so the, one of the actors in the comedy group, he had his niece that wanted to play. So fine, we'll take her good enough. She has a few lines, but, you know, but she's central to that sketch. And we have the whole day to shoot that sketch. So, you know, we start shooting at, let's say, 8. So at 7.30... We arrive at my friend, you know, at the shooting place and, you know, the niece is there, but there's something going on and she just doesn't seem to be feeling well. And she's, you know, she's kind of eight. I think she's eight years old and she doesn't want to do it anymore. <laughs> okay. So you have the whole sketch revolving around her and she and she's crying and she's like having a little, you know, eight year old panic attack. And, you know, we're trying to calm her. Then her mom, they go into a room, they speak. I don't know what happens. And then, you know, mom comes out and says, it's not going to happen. So we're shooting in 30 minutes. We have a crew. And this kid is just locked themselves Holding up the in production. Doesn't, and you can't force it. It's a kid. You can't force a kid. It's like, okay, so what do we do now? So my friends, you know, we're... We're in a small town that we all come from to shoot that particular sketch. So it's okay. What do we do? So my friends start going outside, knocking on the neighbor's doors. Asking, do you have an eight-year-old girl? (laughs) That didn't freak anybody out. Like there wasn't like police. I mean, I that day I was directing that sketch. And I was waiting. I mean, it's like, okay, we're going to place the first shot. So if we do get an actor, it's going to be there. <laughs> so we start lighting that scene. We have no one to put in. So there's my friend going outside on my, my partner, just knocking on different doors on the street. There's the other friend. He says, oh, shit, I have, I have a, you know, we're all older. We have, uh, I have a friend who had a daughter about seven or eight years ago. I could call him. So- <laughs> searching for children. Wow. Maybe, maybe he has a daughter he's not sure and maybe she you know she could come and fill in so he calls his friend he says they, they haven't talked in years he says hey how are you doing do you have a daughter he said yeah does she want to act she would love to act she's <laughs> not, uh, that's all what she talks about so she said you know what can she be here today okay 
So, wow. yeah, they, so they bring the daughter. Turns out she's an amazing little actress, amazing actress. She nails the lines way better. I mean, I don't want to, you know. You're <laughs> the spoiled kid. Give me this kid, man. Uh, this kid was amazing. So we shot the sketch. It worked out. Everything went well. We finished on time. But it was a major, major problem, you know? Oh, well, yeah, not uh, having the main, the main character. Scene, uh, what do we do? So I do have to correct you on one thing where you said um, you can't force an eight-year-old. I got to tell you, I'm just going to have to assume that these parents were not immigrants because I could straight up tell you <laughs> if I had a job to be an actor and I told my mother I don't want to do it, there would be no, there, I would be doing it. Trust me. I would be doing it with a bloodied nose and a fat lip possibly, but I would be doing it. I would be doing it. So I I think the lesson here is only hire child actors whose parents are uh, immigrants. Uh, I think that's really the only thing that's the solution. But that's the thing about acting that makes it different from, you know, child, normal child labor is that if you don't look good and if you look like you don't want to be there, it's not going to work. Yeah. So you have to meet somebody that wants to do it because even if it's just like this, doesn't oh, work. Yeah. It just seems dead. So anyway, that was one. And, we, you know, in problems of that magnitude, I've had many, like at least 30 times different issues happening. It's like, oh my God, it's like, how do we fix this? Yes. Well, I'm sure you've had it with adult actors. Oh, yeah. But at least <laughs> you can yell like, at them. I don't, I'm not doing <laughs> it. No, you had also working with animals is. Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. Animals. That's yeah, that's that's wild. I mean, I think it, it, it's it's so interesting because in a corporate setting, you have you mean you have some you know, employees who won't work as hard as others. I mean, you just, you just have that. And I guess it's, it's very different here. I mean, where it's a creative space and in this situation, it's like, yeah, there's no scene without this. I'm, I'm curious, did your friend's daughter then go on to continue to act? I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know, but she was really good. She had an act for it for real. I mean, you've seen, I've seen a lot of kid actors. She was good. She was good. Good. So I don't know if she, I didn't, we didn't call back. <laughs> Wow. No, that's that's definitely turning a loss into a win. Yeah, um, for sure. I mean, you said like sometimes it's just it's just straight up something that you have no control over, like weather. Yeah. Right. I mean, is, have, you ever, have you ever had another situation, maybe not weather related, where it's just like, well, you know, what are we going to do now? We, well, we, we, we had to shoot with a cow also. <laughs> and uh and to be, have to bring the cow in the studio, we were shooting in the studio. And the oh cow my weighs God. about fifteen hundred pounds. And if you and you just want sometimes one move, just turn to the camera. And when you bring a, an animal like that on set, the set is about 40, 50 people on set, but you can't scare the cow. So all of a sudden, there's like 40, 50 people speaking like this. And if you can't speak loud and you turn off the lights, every light that's not needed for the scene, you turn them off and just bring the cow. And then it, it, and the scene is in the shower. Okay. So the joke was that it was a cow in the shower with the woman. Oh and so the, com- the level of complication of the actor having to, then the actor had to scream, but she couldn't scream for real because otherwise she scares the cow. So she has to pretend to scream while the cow does this movement. And it's like, okay, this could take seven hours to just get the right thing at the right time. So you have these situations that are kind of like, let God help us. I'm not a, you know, not religious, but that those moments <laughs> I become religious. And and you have to hope in that seven hours that cow does not take a crap. <laughs> Which yeah, I, uh, yes, yes. Although of course it did. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course it does. Of course it did. So, you know, I've had, you know, thousands of situations like that. Not thousands, but like at least 30. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, because there's such a human element in in that in that space where, I don't know, you're, you, anything can go wrong, you know, and, and that's where, we, you know, we were talking about earlier when 
when things don't go wrong, a lot of times you're you're really leaning on your stamina and endurance that you've built up over time to kind of get through a situation, which I, which I think is is a real skill. I think that's a real skill to have is to be able to pick yourself up. Um, you know, I know that's cliche, but I actually think that's a vital skill, you know, and in the acting space, it's, it's so, you know, you on screen, you can see the person's talent, right? Yeah. You know, if, if somebody asks you the question, um, you know, what's more important for a actor uh, endurance or talent? What, what, which one would you, and you have to pick one. Yeah. A hundred percent endurance, a hundred percent. Because you know, talent's important, but talent without without endurance is not possible, and endurance without talent is. Because oh yeah, it's 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 on the long run. You have to aim for the long run. I mean, even if you get parts like the first year, second year, you say, "Oh my God, everything's going great. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing." And then you have a two three year dry spell. It's like, what happens next? You need that endurance to not quit, to just continue, just to just say, I believe in it and it's going to happen at some point. And if you stick around long enough, something will happen unless you really suck. But then talent matters, but not as much as endurance. Just that, you know, I think it's Jamie Lee Curtis who gave this advice was pretty good advice. She said, you know, how, because she knows she's older now and she's she had a long, long career. She hasn't yeah. always been up front all the time. She's always there. And uh, and she said, you know what I do? I always hang on. Even the days I'm not shooting, I just hang on. on I, I, I stay close to the set. I stay close to the set. And you know how many more on-screen time I got because of that? Just being there. Oh, maybe she could be there in that scene because, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Or just talking about something. Yeah, let's shoot that. Or just yeah. being there. So being there is like half the effort. You just have to be available, be there, and know that pe and people know that you're there. And already just- I, I, I agree up. with that. It, and it's a, it's a kind of a simple sort of act of being present. Um, but I do think, being there does matter you know when when i when i was starting out in stand-up comedy in new york i was frustrated i wasn't getting a lot of spots and i think you always are frustrated you never feel like you have enough spots as a comic and um a more established comic said exactly that he's like oh you know you just you just have to stay around it just keep staying around it keep staying around it and you know, uh, obviously keep working on your craft, but stay around it enough where when that slight little opening is there, you, you're going to take it um, for sure. Um, have you ever seen a situation where you, you see an actor that has a ton of talent, but just didn't have the endurance? Oh, yeah. I mean, you see you sit all through all through life i mean i remember when i was a teenager i knew these people who lived for acting and which is fine but then you see them 10 years later and they're accountants which is also fine but that's not wasn't there you know they didn't have the what it took to just really like you know put yourself out there and just maybe i won't make money for seven years because i'm an actor you know so that, yeah, yeah, a lot of people. And then later on in the career, you see someone playing in that. And then a few years later, they're doing something, something else. Listen, acting, the thing is that acting, there's no guarantee. I mean, anything, there's no, okay, let me put this another way. Any job that's worth it, there's no guarantee. Yeah. There's no guarantee it's going to work. You just have to just go for it and have some sort of faith. And later on, what you win, if let's say it didn't work out, at least, I really tried for real. I didn't just back off because I was scared. I tried, and that's your that's your reward at the end, you know. If if it didn't work out, but there's no guarantee about anything. There's no just no guarantee. You don't know, but you just have to do it anyway. Yeah, there's no sort of path you can just it, it, like the, a predetermined map where you're just no. like here, do these things, and boom, boom, boom. 
you you make it it's not like building a model airplane right like it does not come with ikea directions to get you to uh, a finished product no 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 totally just you just have to believe it like a religion or like whatever you just have to do it anyway do it anyway even if it's not work you have to love the path if you don't love the path don't don't do the path because you're gonna find it very very long yeah no i i definitely agree um but as as far as uh you know we uh we had a guest on last week um and we asked him the same question you know what advice would you give first year simon i i think the advice i would give myself is to start right away working on what you really want because you can have these temporary things that are seem okay that's like okay i'm gonna do this for a while and then i'm gonna start doing that for real just start day one with what you really want to do do you do you want to act you want to direct you want to whatever just do it it's not going to work for a while but all the time you spend not doing it it's time you, you're going to have to put on it later on. So just start day one. Start what do you want to do and do it. That's it. That would be my advice. Because we tend to push away goals to safer goals. It's like, okay, that's safer for now. It's easier to do than that. So I would say no. I know yeah. it's but just- I, I agree. I mean, even working for yourself, it's, it's very similar. You kind of have to accept it's going to suck for a while but that's the path you're on and you know you know paul you were referencing that book that i've never heard of because um who moved my cheese simon have <laughs> you heard of that book what what is this? what is it who moved my cheese i i never heard of that is we're that- we're not as refined get, as you <laughs> i'm gonna get copies for both of you <laughs> pdf but uh oh yeah what's the book about so it's just about, you know, embracing change within your career, no matter what, right? The the rules of engagement are constantly changing across every industry. You know, you look at the media industry, 25 years ago, streaming didn't exist, right? And now I'm kind of curious, this kind of segues into a question that I have for you, Simon, which is now you can publish content on YouTube, your own private channel, um, you know, these little pockets uh, of the internet, or you can go kind of mainstream Hollywood, Netflix, right? Has that helped or hurt somebody like you, right? Because yes, you have access to so many more outlets, but so does everybody else. And so there's so much more competition for eyeballs. How How is that? Because that to me is a, a major disruption to uh, the movie and and film industry, how has it impacted you? Has it been positive or negative? For, for me, I for me, I think it's been positive for sure, because I've used these social platforms to do projects. Me, my philosophy, I think my philosophy even before even before I knew it happened, is that I I don't uh I don't judge the medium. Which means if you do an ad, let's say a 30-second ad on TV, if, if you do it well, and if you do it smart, and if you do a very good product, people are going to notice it. Let's say you do a movie, very good movie, very good product, people are going to notice it. Let's say you do a TV show. No matter what, my point is, no matter what you do, let's say, you know, there was Vine in the beginning, what, eight seconds video, you remember Vine? Right. And, and it's like, some people were really good at Vine. And it's like, okay, that's another format. So I believe in quality. I believe in quality of the product. And what these all these platforms has created is, is like, everything is more competitive. And sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. I mean, for Instagram, sometimes it's bad because it's only based on appearance. So people are kind of becoming crazy with that. But in general, the quality of, of of like you know like mr beast you know it's a youtuber a few oh, years yeah. ago being a youtuber equaled being a loser it was like okay <laughs> <laughs> you're a youtuber man okay fine yeah, yeah youtuber whatever content creator which means basically you do nothing but uh <laughs> 
but he's brought that. I mean, other other people too, but he's brought that to a level that it's so engaging and so smart and so witty and so quick that he's brought. He, he, he it's an art form what he's doing with these these things. And he's a, really he, he created he created credibility, right? He, uh, he, yeah. He, I mean, he, uh, so so the media doesn't matter in the end. It's no matter what do you do with it. And I think everything's interesting now. That's what's great. Remember a few years ago, a few years ago, I know because I'm, you know, I'm a director, so I know this, but a few years ago, the TV went from a screen that was almost square to a wide screen. Okay. Yep. And then where you're shooting as a director, you were, we always got these questions asked, okay, do you shoot it in more square format? or more wider format. And there was these big debates around the table with the director of photography and the producer. And if you did an ad or TV show, it's like, okay, but if you shoot it like this, some people are not gonna like it. It was, there were two formats. Today, you can shoot it like this. You can shoot it in a square. You can shoot it like that. You can shoot it in a circle, an oval, not a star. Doesn't format, the, 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 doesn't matter anymore. And that's something that everybody evolved at the same time. Doesn't matter. What do you see on the screen? Is it interesting? That's the only thing that matters. And, you know, we've evolved a lot from like 15, 20 years ago that it was either close to square or a little bigger triangle, uh, rectangle. That's it. So, you know, I, I like change. I like these changes. They're, they're, you have to adapt, but they're fun. You know, like, well, I think those changes, they create opportunity, right? I mean, ultimately, that's um, every industry, whether it's entertainment or it's real estate or finance, whatever. I mean, all of these, uh, it, it scares the crap out of a lot of people, you know, innovation, but it also inspires others. And you got to decide which side of the ledger you want to be on. And I mean, if you want to be on the other side of that ledger, good luck. Your life's going to suck. Um, I mean, that's just, it's a bottom line, man. Your life is going to suck. You got to embrace innovation, uh, for sure. But, uh, no, it's a, it's a really interesting perspective and, um, love to have you back on again, but we're probably going to end our episode, uh, uh, about now, but before we go, uh, we're going to end our show with our predictions, um, and what we're going to do today, since we have a, uh, film director on here and me and Paul are both, uh, movie junkies. Um, there is a movie coming out this weekend, uh, about George Foreman's life, who, uh, certainly is a human being who embraced change. Um, that guy changed his entire persona life whatever you want to call it um and it's a it's a biopic it's going to be about you know his kind of rise and fall and then rise again um coming out i think today so i just wanted to get both of your predictions on how much you think this movie is going to gross and just to put it in perspective um in 1976 rocky one which um was a movie that had all types of problems. It had to pivot, had a low budget, tons of issues, ended up making $225 million, one best picture. And that $225 million in today's math would be $1.2 billion uh, from one single movie. Now, I don't think George Foreman's biopic is going to do $1.2 billion um, I think the Will Smith Muhammad Ali biopic made 87 million. Uh, I, my prediction on this movie is I love George Foreman, but I think this movie is going to flop for two reasons. I think it's nearly impossible to capture George Foreman's personality. I think that's it. It's just an impossible mission. But there is a three minute trailer out there on this movie where I feel like if you watch this trailer, you don't have to watch the damn movie. It pretty much tells you what's going to happen. So I think we're talking about it's going to make half of what Ali made. I'm going to say uh, 40, uh, 43 0.5 million dollars uh paul do you have a guess here that so that's box office dollars only, box office right? dollars so i'm kind of curious the rocky movie the 
whatever it was, 225 million. Was that box office dollars? That was box office, man. That's interesting. I would have thought that they made more uh, after the fact because uh, I, I thought it was a pretty average movie. I'm, I'm in a very small camp of people. Average? That is not, that is not, not my oh favorite my series of movies. I liked Rocky 3. I liked Rocky 4. Rocky 3 is my two. favorite. Rocky 3 is okay. my favorite. I mean, uh, I, I got to say, I am a big George Foreman fan. Uh, I know a little bit of his story. He had like a near-death experience, which got him out of boxing. Uh, and then, you know, having fallen on some bad fortune, uh, he, you know, decided he didn't have much choice but to go back to what he knew and what he was good at. Uh, so it was nice to see, you know, his uh, his comeuppance story. But it's... Uh, it's probably lost on this generation a little bit, his story and people probably know him more for the George Foreman grill than anything else. So I'm with you. I think this flops maybe does, you know, over 50 million in the box office on all the oldies like you and me that'll go see it. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it does particularly. Oh, well. I, I don't have to go see it. I just watched the three minute trailer. I'm good. <laughs> I, I am satisfied. I don't have to go see that movie. Uh, three minute trailer. I know exactly what happened. Uh, all right, I'm at 43 and a half. Paul, you're saying above 50. Simon, above you're the 50, expert. You're the expert. Listen, I it's coming out this weekend, and I love movies. Never heard about this movie. <laughs> so I just checked online now. I see it. I understand. You know, I don't think this is going to do well at all. I mean, unless the movie is a masterpiece, which, you know, you never know. But and I haven't seen the trailer, so I'm just reading things about it. I'm way more pessimistic than you guys. I think more okay. Oh, I, 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 I don't, I don't think it's gonna do a lot. I think it's gonna stay in the theater for like four weeks, maybe. Wow, okay, all right. Uh, we all uh like this. Well, Paul and I love the story, but I think uh, where the consensus here is uh. It's not going to do well. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, hopefully uh, all the actors that were in that movie uh, were not reluctant to do a scene and they didn't have to go door to door to replace any of them. Um, I'm sure uh, I'm sure it has some quality moments, but that's going to be our episode uh, this week. Um, you can catch us up on Spotify, YouTube. Uh, you can um, also get us on Apple Podcasts and all the other ones. Uh, until next week, uh, take it easy, and uh, we will see you later. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. <laughs>